Welcome to In-House Legal. It's everything in-house. Legally speaking, technology, business practices, trends, and controversies important to corporate counsel. Hi, and welcome to Legal Talk Network. I'm so glad you could join us today for In-House Legal. My name is Susan Hackett, and I'm the Senior Vice President and General Counsel for the Association of Corporate Counsel, or ACC, and I work in our headquarters offices in Washington, D.C. ACC is the in-house bar association with more than 25,000 individual members in more than 70 countries. ACC members serve as in-house counsel to more than 10,000 public and private entity clients and work in a wide variety of departments in terms of size, focus, spend, and management style. As the In-House Bar Association, we're so pleased to have the opportunity to host this issue of In-House Legal on the Legal Talk Network. Frankly, the hardest thing about doing this segment was deciding on only two topics and two leaders on which to focus in our 20 minutes we have together today. But choose I must. And so I chose two issues that are of almost universal importance to a great number of in-house lawyers and also to the outside counsel who provide services to them. So today, we'll be joined by David Dresden who serves as the executive manager of the McDonald's legal department. He's in the Chicagoland area at McDonald's corporate headquarters. David's got particular expertise in the field of global law department management and what it is that successful in-house lawyers do in order to serve their clients with legal matters that cross country lines. We'll also talk today to Jeff Carr, who's the CLO of FMC Technologies, to talk about law departments connecting value and cost in the provision of legal services to the corporate client. And specifically, we'll discuss the role of performance metrics in departments looking to drive better management of their costs. But first, let's pick David Dresden's brain. David has a ton of expertise on all kinds of law department management issues, but few counsel have his depth of experience in developing the delivery of global legal services for a multinational client, in his case, the client's McDonald's. David, welcome and thanks for joining us today. I was hoping that you could begin by telling our audience a little bit more about your role at McDonald's and what you think are the fundamental component parts of any company's success in managing the provision of legal services across country borders. Sure, no problem. Um, I'm the legal administrator for uh, for our global law department, and what that essentially means is I have responsibility for all the all the back office or all the business operations, and so the attorneys can focus on on practicing law and then you know, we can help them with all the, with all the um, matters related to the business. So things but David, like finance, But David, you're also a lawyer HR. by training, right? No, I'm not a lawyer. I'm a business, I'm a business person. I have a finance and HR background, actually. And so, so uh, I'm not when an you came to this legal department role, was it an interesting opportunity to work with lawyers for the first time, or was it something you had experience with in other lives? No, it was actually, uh, if, if you would ask me when I joined McDonald's, if I'd be working in this job in the legal department, um, I would have said, are you crazy? It just happened because I was the HR person for the legal department, and uh, I uh, developed some good relationships with the uh, executives in the department, and um, this position opened up, and um, one thing led to another, and here I am. Great. So it's been a, it's been a great um, melding of my background, because I also have a lot of experience in international business. So coupled with the HR and finance, um, it was a great it was a great match, and it's been a great uh, it's been a dream job for me actually. So it's all worked out great. So here you bring all of this business and international experience to the legal department at McDonald's, which obviously needs to call upon all of those services and the provision of services to its client across many countries and borders. Can you tell us a little bit more? Yeah, I can tell you. Um, 
you know, the first thing I would say is, you know, what we do at McDonald's isn't necessarily going to apply to, you know, to everyone. I mean, a lot of it's going to depend on the size of the law department, the, the scope of your operations around the world. But there's basically three things that I thought of that I think would be good advice that anybody's thinking about these issues. And I think the first one has to do with the organization and how you're aligned with the business around the world. And what I mean by that is, is um, in our particular case, you know, we're organized by geography. So we have area of the world general councils for each of our geographies around the world, and then we have legal staffs underneath that. If you may be organized by, say, global product lines, you may want to think about having a general counsel for those global product lines, or however you may um, be organized. You want to, I think, be very aligned with the uh, with how the business is structured. So that's point one. Point two, I think the other thing you have to remember with Sarbanes-Oxley and all the all the regulatory requirements that we have today, um, that um, you probably would want to think about the you know with the fiduciary responsibility of the CLO. I think you would think about how you would want the reporting to work. You know, for example, at McDonald's, we were originally a decentralized reporting structure where all the lawyers reported to the business. And about four years ago, we changed that, and all the lawyers now around the world report up through the chief legal officer for McDonald's. So that's been a huge change, especially since the fact that McDonald's culture tends to be decentralized. So that's been a big change, and I think um, our CLO, is, I think, is sleeping a lot better at night as, uh, as well, knowing that um, this reporting structure is now all up, all up through her. And then the and then the very last one I think again because law tends to be local, um, so I think you need to think about how um, you're developing in each of your markets around the world and what your ownership structures are. Quite frankly, um, so you, so for example, in large developed markets, um, you may want to have an in-house legal staff because there, you know there's a there's a lot of work to be done and it's cost effective. But in smaller markets where you may be just entering or um, uh, the potential is relatively limited. You may want to think about having um, um, that work be done on the outside, which actually we do at McDonald's. In our smaller markets, a lot of the work that we do in those markets that are smaller uh, is done on the outside. So I think you would want to think about that. And then the other thing I said is about the ownership structure. Again, for McDonald's, we're a little bit of a different business model. We have different ownership structures around the world. We have joint ventures in some countries. We have um, franchisees that own the whole market basically in a country. So then you have to think about, okay, how do you deploy legal resources in those cases because you don't have, um, you don't have direct wholly owned control. So, so what, you know, what are some of the issues that you need to deal with there? And, you know, I would just give advice on a more global basis that you need to think through um, those ownership structures as well as the, um, where you are in the development, in the development of those markets um, and think about how you would want to um, provide legal services um, around the world. You know, I think what you've articulated here is what so many in-house counsel deal with, which is the fact that there are common characteristics of global department management to every company, but it really is going to be driven by the specifics of the company's business and where they're located and how they're organized. And while you started to go into some of the conversation about centralized versus decentralized, which I know a lot of departments struggle with and how they're going to deal with things at the local level, I would love it if you could tell me just a little bit more about whether there are communications or technology or policy strategies that you've employed that even though people are all out there at the local level to some extent and aligned with local businesses to some extent, there's still that common thread of reporting back through the legal department. How do you manage that at McDonald's? Yeah, to your point, Susan, you know, it's very complex, as you know. Um, you know we operate in so many different countries, and, and we have attorneys in, uh, in over 20 
uh, in-house attorneys in over 20 countries around the world. So it is a challenge. I'll be the first to admit it. But, you know, I think uh, there's a couple of things that come to mind. One is around our management process. And what I mean by that is, you know, how we're structured from a leadership point of view and, 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 and how do we manage basically the, the legal business around the world. And I think, um, you know, we do have area of the world general councils um, around the world. And, and those individuals, um, you know, we make sure that they're aligned. We have leadership meetings uh, periodically, like every quarter, um, with the senior leadership of the department. We talk about legal strategy and, and what are some of the hot issues around the world that we need to be aligned on. So I think that's the, the very first point. I think the second point related to that is, um, you know, what we do um, on an annual basis is we bring all the lawyers around the world together, and and um, you know, for a for a week week's worth of meetings, and we talk about legal topics. Um, specific to the McDonald's and how we want to align around those uh, around the world. And, um, you know, I think that's very important because, again, we are such a large organization, and I, and I know other organizations probably struggle with this as well. And I think I think that the point I'm trying to make here is that when you're operating around the world, I think you have to have a good, solid management process in place to make sure that people are aligned um, around these important issues and, and that we're talking to each other and we're sharing practices and we understand what's going on. I think the second thing, and we, you know, we're really um, working very hard on this, is to, um, we have an internal website, an intranet site, that we're trying to use, again, to provide information um, and standards and, and, and practices um, around the world that people can tap into this, this, um, this uh, resource and, uh, and get the information they need need in order to do their jobs, but also to make sure that we're aligned. So, you know, this is a lot easier said than done. I don't want to, um, uh, I don't want to make anybody think this is an easy task to accomplish. But, but, but you know, it actually kind of raises one of the issues that I, I wanted to touch on before our, our time together will end, which is that, you know, there are lots of different kinds of what I would call hardwired practices that folks can implement, the policies and procedures. But, you know, working in a global department also starts to raise challenges for, you know, that are cultural, that are people issues, that have to do with with doing business differently, potentially, in a lot of different climates. Can you give us a couple of concluding thoughts on on what what kinds of things you've run across and what kinds of strategies might be deployed to help uh, ease that burden, if you will? Yeah, I think, you know, you know, I'm not trying to be uh, simplistic here, but I, I really do think um, it's all about people. Maybe that's my HR background or whatever, but I think having the right people in place, especially at the leadership level, and I think making sure that all the people that you have in place are, are not only good in what they do within their particular borders, but can also think beyond that and, and kind of have a bigger picture view of the world and, and, and what they, you know, where they sit in the company. And I think um, that's so important so we remain aligned because there are a lot of complexities around the world, and you know when you do operate in a lot of markets it it creates a lot of challenge so I think to have you know good people in place that you're developing um, that you're promoting into the right positions, I think is critically important to make sure that that um, you have a, a highly functioning performing department around the world fabulous well. We are out of time for the rest of this conversation, but I do hope we'll be able to continue it, not only with you, David, but with others in the audience who may have experience or interest in global department management issues. There are a whole lot of resources on our website at acc.com that deal with department management in general and global department management in specific. So we can continue to look there and also come back to other folks in in our law department uh, management community to, to explore this further. Thanks again, David, for joining us and for sharing your thoughts and insights today on in-house legal. Okay, no problem. Glad to do it. 
Thanks very much. We're going to take a quick break now, and when we return, we'll be joined by Jeff Carr, who's the Vice President, General Counsel, and Secretary at FMC Technologies. Jeff's going to talk with us about law departments who are reconnecting value and cost in the provision of legal services to the corporate client, and in specific, we'll focus in on performance metrics. Thanks, and we'll be right back. Legal Talk Network has been producing award-winning legal podcasts since 2005. Subscribe to our RSS feed and start downloading today. It's free. Don't miss out on the latest in new media marketing opportunities for your firm. Contact Deb Curran at 781-551-9960 and learn all about the Web 2.0 revolution. Welcome back to In-House Legal. I'm still your host, Susan Hackett, and I would really like to welcome our second guest, Jeff Carr. Jeff is the Vice President, General Counsel, and Secretary at FMC Technologies. He's also on the ACC Board of Directors and a leader in our ACC Value Challenge Steering Committee. Jeff's company, FMC Technologies, has its base in Houston in the oil and gas industry. But what he's most famous for, for many people in the in-house and increasingly in the outside community, is his innovative approach to managing outside legal spend and his in-house staff based on evaluated performance, targeted goals, and measured outcomes. So we're going to ask Jeff to help us focus a little bit today on inside and outside council performance metrics. This conversation is especially relevant to me since ACC is launching its newest member service at our annual meeting being held in Boston, Massachusetts. I'm speaking of the ACC Value Index. The index is designed to help in-house counsel establish an online database which is opened only to ACC members, but it will also help them create collegial networks by which they can share information about the firms that they believe provide their clients with the greatest value. ACC members using this index will be able to score their firms on several criteria related to value, including things like responsiveness, budget and cost control, innovative fee structures, staffing and legal expertise, and outcome focus, to name a few. And while Jeff's been a leader in promoting the launch of our ACC value index, he's here to talk not just about the index, but rather about what drove him to help us develop this initiative as part of his focus on the ACC Value Challenge. So I'd like to open the conversation with him today by asking him to discuss his view of the role of inside and outside counsel performance evaluations and their relationship to reinventing the legal service business model for both law departments and law firms. Jeff, welcome to our segment on Legal Talk Network, and thank you for joining us today. Oh, thank you, Susan, and it is so nice to be here and, and here with you today. Um, this is a, an area that I feel passionate about um, and have been involved in and for such a long time. Um, and I'm not sure if famous is the right word or infamous sometimes, as you <laughs> described me. Um, but to, look, to me, it's, it's, it's all about value, and that's what it comes down to. Um, as, a, as a member of the, of the senior executive leadership of, of my company, Part of my job is to deliver value to my shareholders, to our shareholders. I do that in my legal function by trying to arrange for and deliver legal services effectively, efficiently, and with a high level of customer satisfaction. And that's the way I define value. The disconnect that's occurred in the country over the past several decades is that we buy legal services by the hour. And we don't buy them based upon quality, effectiveness, or efficiency. And there's an old saying that says if you pay for something by the hour, what you buy are hours. You don't buy results. So 
what we've tried to do is try to refocus how we do what we do, how we pay for what we do, how we motivate people to do the right thing. And that all comes down to giving people meaningful performance evaluations. You've got to set objectives. You've got to judge people against those objectives. They need to be specific. They need to be time-based. They need to be measurable. And then you have to give feedback. And then at least in my world, there has to be some form of risk and reward, some form of benefit, some form of cause for a failure to perform. So, so it's both a carrot and stick approach. If you do that, from my perspective, it's, it's my job. It's part of my fiduciary responsibility. Every million dollars I can save FMC technologies in legal costs, whether that's in reduced costs, conflict avoidance, settling matters, settling matters below what they should be settled, getting licensing fees, whatever it may be, that translates directly to earnings per share. And that's what part of my job is, all while maintaining the ethical compass of the company. That's why I'm so focused on value. And if you don't evaluate performance, you can't achieve those goals, at least in my world. Well, all of that makes total sense to me, and I'm sure it makes total sense to everybody listening in, in, in theory. But how in practice do you at FMC or have you seen others either in the law firm world or the, the law department world actually implementing those kinds of performance metric systems? What, what, what kinds of devices do you use? What kinds of practices do you employ, and, and how does it work? Great question, because... Um, you know, if I were French, I would say, well, that, that may work in practice, but it'll never work in theory, um, as opposed to being American and saying, you know, that might work in theory, but it'll never work in practice. Look, you've got to be able to establish goals, and then you've got to have meaningful criteria to judge people against. The What we use today um, are a combination of metrics, you know, just pure metrics, what um, uh, total legal cost per dollar or revenue of sales, uh, cycle time on cases. What was your expected value of your case and your deviation from that case? Was this transaction successful? Did it come in below cost and below budget? Those are all objective criteria. But then there are also subjective criteria. And those are the harder ones to measure, but they, you have to measure them more and, and more finitely than, oh, you're doing a good job. That's not really sufficient. The best system that I've seen out there um, is, is to come up with four, five, six criteria and a one-to-five score on how people are doing. Um, and just as we rate performance on various criteria in a corporation in a performance review, we should do the same thing with our service providers. The best thing I've seen and the one that we're using is embedded in a tool called Serengeti Tracker. Those same criteria have now been adopted by the ACC as part of its value index. And those same criteria are being used by others like Meritas. It's not so important what the factors are. What's important is that there's consistency so that we can all talk the same language. Um, and whether you use five factors or seven, whether you use um, a zero to five scale or a one to ten scale, doesn't matter. What matters is that you've got a format that you agree that you can talk a common language with both your internal people and your external people about how they're doing. Now, one of the things that I've been most interested in in your approach is that you have made the kinds of metrics and evaluation standards that you've established applicable to both your department as well as to the firms that you work with. That's right. I've not seen many people do that. Can you tell us a little bit more about why and how that works? <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's really pretty simple. It's, I view everybody that works for us, whether they're internal or external, as part of my law firm. 
you know, part of my job is to run the FMC Technologies law firm and deliver legal services to the company. I actually don't care whether or not you work in another law firm or you work on my direct headcount. The performance criteria are the same. The only real difference is I pay a law firm against an invoice and I pay one of my internal counsel with a paycheck. But beyond that, it's the same kind of thing. So what this does is it drives alignment. We're all, we all agree these are what the goals are. These are what the performance characteristics are. Um, and we all strive to continuously improve. So I just think it's a consistent and better way to handle things. I know it's unusual, um, but it, it seems so self-evident to me. I don't know why others don't do this. Well, you know, as we've talked about offline on a number of occasions, part of the challenge for the ACC Value Challenge, and certainly for performance metrics in, in specific, is, is helping people deal with the difficulty of change management. What we're really looking at in today's marketplace seems to be focused on the fact that a lot of people have bought into the idea of driving greater value, but not only do they not know how to do it, it's just really hard to stop doing what you did yesterday and start doing something else differently tomorrow. So I wanted to conclude our segment, if we could, by having you give us a couple of ideas about how it is that a service like the ACC Value Index or performance metrics within a department that might be based on that kind of a model could actually start to help people in law departments and law firms not only improve their performance, but also help them improve the performance of the folks they work with. Absolutely. Well, things like the ACC Value Index, first, it can help you select counsel. Um, if you're looking for new counsel, you can start looking at, you know, who's good. But secondly, and more importantly, for those counsel that you're already using, it gives you a format, a context, a framework to have what is for most lawyers a very difficult conversation. It's a difficult conversation because it's, a, it's about interpersonal relationships. And let's face it, lawyers are very good at arguing and not very good constitutionally, personality-wise, at interpersonal conflict. Uh, they're great at advocacy for other people, but not when it deals with themselves. It's very hard for us to give performance evaluations to people. It's very hard to tell them that they're not meeting expectations. So if you have a framework like this, it makes that conversation easier. It's amazing to me that we live in a world today where a very high proportion of outside lawyers think they're doing a great job for their clients, yet a very high proportion of general counsel and in-house counsel wouldn't recommend their outside counsel to others. That's a cognitive disconnect. The reason there's a cognitive disconnect is because people are not talking. If we use a system like the ACC Value Index and the criteria that are embedded in it, we can have that difficult conversation. Once you have that difficult conversation, you can set expectations. You can let people know what they can do to improve, and then you can get to improvement. That helps efficiency, it helps effectiveness, and it raises customer satisfaction. If you link it then to compensation, ultimately, and ultimately, it's a win-win for everybody that's involved. Super. Well, you know, I think we're going to have to continue this conversation in the future to talk about also its application and driving comparatives so that department to department, firm to firm, and in firms assessing across a wide variety of service providers, the idea of being able to compare performance across groups is going to be an increasingly interesting topic for the future. Well, I want to thank both of our guests today, both David Dresden of McDonald's Legal Department and Jeff Carr of FMC Technologies. We have hardly had time to even scratch the surface of these multifaceted, complex issues. So I do hope you'll allow us to continue the conversation with you, our listeners, through other media or in future shows. ACC's websites are open to members with literally thousands of resources by in-house counsel for in-house counsel, each with their own unique brand of in-house flavor. 
You can find us online at www.acc.com. You can find out more about the ACC Value Challenge and the issues that Jeff has been talking about at acc.com slash value challenge. Or you can actually contact us in person by email or through our extensive chapter and committee networks. You can find me at hackett at acc.com. Thanks very much for listening today to In-House Legal on the Legal Talk Network. I'm Susan Hackett, ACC's General Counsel, and I hope to have the opportunity to talk with you next. Thanks for listening to In-House Legal, hot topics for the in-house lawyer, legally speaking. We hope you'll listen to the next edition right here on the Legal Talk Network.